dot com. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. This is where the fun begins. I don't want them to gain another yard. 620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Roughriders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. How do you do on this snowy day? I went home and shoveled. Round one. All right, let's get right into it. First off, this show is brought to you on this Thursday by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM. There are a bunch of promo offers there for you. Thanks to them for getting on board. You can always text and weigh in on the show. 936-6262. The number to text brought to you by our friends at Capital GMC at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. The number one GM dealership in the province. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. It's a great shoveling time. It's a great time to order Western pizza. My son's in. I think he's going to come over tonight. Maybe we'll order a little Western pizza. Watch the Oilers in the wild and the big Thursday night matchup, the 8-3 and three Buffalo Bills against the 6-5 uh, and five New England Patriots. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills and then chokes. Except for the U of S Huskies. They circle the wagons and choke too. I think we can safely say the U of S Huskies are the Buffalo Bills of U Sports, right, Zinger? Yeah, U Sports football. They're the, they're the Buffalo Bills of U Sports football. Get there, pay for dinner, and then they don't even, you pay for dinner, and then they don't even give you a kiss at the door. They just leave. Since, since they lost one in 98, I think they've been there like what, four or five times? Dude, they've lost, lost the last all. six. Lost, yeah, they're six. The last six, so, two in a row. Yeah. By total yeah. of 12 points. Hey, uh, good, hardworking kids. There's obviously people on that they team I like. Or in the game, it don't matter. Waldo's our friend. See, I even call out my friends. All right. I love our intro. We need to rework it, okay? I love the smell of Canada losing in Qatar in the morning. Canada, World Cup soccer. Let's address the elephant in the room. What the hell was that? I am not a Canadian soccer expert, so I'm not going to go critiquing Alfonso Davies and John David and John Herdman Reed. Is that his name? <laughs> oh, no, wait. Herdman Reed. Oh, sorry. Those are Ryder <laughs> linebackers. John Herdman, I know who he is. I'm not going to critique them because I don't know the first thing about soccer. They're all great athletes. But I'm sorry. The only thing historic about Team Canada soccer... Historic letdown. Was It was a historic hype job and a historic letdown, like you said. We scored a goal at the World Cup! Woo! <laughs> Wing ding. Big deal. Listen, Zinger and I were pouring over the numbers. He's the soccer guy. Zinger, back me up. In 86, did we give up more or less goals in 86? The goal differential in 86 was minus five. What is it here? <laughs> minus seven. Oh, so we were two goals worse. Zinger, do we score any goals in 86? No. We we did score one goal. One goal. Because let's be clear, we lost 2-1 today, but we're so crappy, they had a score on their own team. Yeah, so officially goes down as two goals scored for Canada this World Cup, but realistically, we only really earned 
one. Yeah, so 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 uh, what's the so, big... So we're up one goal over 86. And... That was an embarrassment. Am I wrong when I'm saying that? That's embarrassing. And now we're hosting it. So now we've dropped all the way off the map and have to regain our... Oh, we oh t- we by were... the way, too. Yeah. Qatar and Canada are the only two nations without a point. There you go. Only two nations to get a point in the whole thing. And we were... Oh, this to is... To not a, get a point. Yeah, yeah. This is the greatest thing in the world. Really? We scored a goal. We scored one measly goal. And that's the greatest thing in the world. But you fools out there will tell me, you sports football, junior football, Canadians in the CFL, Bush League. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it right now. Our men's soccer team is borderline Bush League. And you'll tell me, Ballsy, they made it to the World Cup. Okay, they got to the World Cup. That's great. What did they do? They did as Chris Farley would like to say, Jack Squat! <laughs> they did nothing. Am I the only one? 936-6262. Yeah, like, Are you let down? I am let I, down. I, I'm very let down. But with that said, I watched every second of every game. Yeah? Like, on paper, this World Cup looks a whole lot worse than the play actually was. Like, that game against Belgium, Canada should have at least drawed that game, if not... They should have yeah, won that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ifs so, and buts yeah, for the, candies and yes, nuts. Yes, I know. A great Christmas. Yeah, it's going to be a great Christmas this year. Uh, the one against Croatia probably should have been 2-1 Croatia, and today Hutchinson should have tied that game. Should have. Hey, he should have. But only half the ball went over the line. Yeah. The, basically, what I'm getting at is, in 86, Canada didn't have those type of opportunities. I'm they gonna, never even got, like, a shot on goal. So, if we're, if we're, if we're better... Okay. You know, it's a little better than 86. Okay, so I've watched a lot of uh, let-down hockey in my life, okay? So so what you're telling me is we had Dreisaitl and McDavid. Can somebody please explain to me how the hell I expect Jack Campbell and Darnell Nurse to play tonight for the Oilers in Minnesota when they apparently were on the defensive side of things for Canada at the World Cup? Because our goalie stinks, and we can't... Our defense is terrible. It looks like I'm watching Edmonton Oilers hockey. That's great. We got 21, and we didn't. Hey, this is the other thing. We're all excited. Well, against Belgium, we got 21 shot attempts. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was that shots? Oh, it was just shot attempts. Oh, that's what we're. That's historic. It, you and I have a different version of historic. I'm sorry. That's not historic. Listen, is it a great accomplishment to get to the World Cup? Absolutely. Are they excellent athletes? Absolutely. Uh, will I watch a one nothing Team Canada loss on the World Cup stage before I would ever watch a boring NBA game? Absolutely. But the only thing historic about this was the letdown and the hype before it. It is a letdown. It is garbage. And then, you know what's worse? You know I'm fired up worse? Because I have Romania and German in my blood. And Germany's not even going on. Germany is out because Japan scored two goals in less than three minutes for a dramatic second-half comeback to defeat Spain. So Japan and Spain go because Spain had better goal differentials, Yeah, because they beat Costa Rica 7-1 to in the opening game. So Spain and Germany finished with an equal amount of points. They both had four points. But, you know, when you go through the tie-breaking procedures, the goal differential comes into play. So Germany is going home after the group stage for the second straight World Cup after they last won in 2014. The next two World Cups, they're out in the group stage. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. So they got, that? they got four points. How many points did Canada get? Zero, man. Zero. 
Zero. Okay. Man. Just wanted to pound that home. Man. <laughs> Ten games in the NHL tonight. Darnell Nurse and Jack Campbell will eventually get back for the game in Minnesota, leaving Team Canada's soccer team well, to yeah. play for the Oilers <laughs> in Minnesota. Mon- was it Jack? Yeah, Jack Campbell was in that for yeah, Canada Yeah, he was. Today. That's what I'm saying. Uh, He's going to get back in time? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. God. Well, he didn't make any saves in that game. Maybe he'll get, uh, he worked up a lather to play tonight for the Oilers in net. Montreal's at Calgary. Re- return of Sean Monaghan to Calgary. Uh, Flames at Vancouver. Goalie Roberto Luongo, Bobby Lou will be honored by the Canucks as he is put into the ring of honor. Kind of a apropos, as it were, because he played. Those are the last two teams he played for. Uh, what else? Eight and three, Buffalo at six and five, New England in Thursday night football. This is hilarious. The New York Jets. The Jets, it used to stand for just end the season, but they're playing well now. They're seven and four. So they're like, <laughs> let's sock it to them. They're, they're, they're boosting their ticket prices next year by 12% on oh, average. Oh, wow. That's, that's, not good, that's not a good let's idea. Let's soak it to them. Police in Tampa have issued an arrest warrant Thursday for Antonio Brown. The active warrant stems from a domestic battery incident involving a woman. November 28th uh, in the afternoon, Brown and the woman were involved in a verbal altercation at his home in South Tampa. The argument became physical and according to police, Brown threw a shoe at the victim. He also attempted to evict the woman from the home by locking her out. So, uh, you know what? The guy's a clown show, but I I think when he does pass away eventually, um, and I don't wish death on anybody, but when he does pass away, they should check his brain out because since he got smoked by Vontez Burfecht of the Bengals in that playoff game, he has never been the same since. He is off as a rocker. He even started attacking Tom Brady this year. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. man. It's almost at the point where I think society would be better if he just gets locked up for a while, you know? Uh, Serve some hard time for two years yeah. or something. Now, just when I thought I heard it all. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I heard this. Somebody drew attention to this. A so-called hockey expert, she said today that Connor Bedard has been underwhelming. He has been underwhelming. Just all right and underwhelming. Connor Bedard scored two goals yesterday. He's on an absolute heater. He has points in 25 straight games. His team did lose yesterday, 9-3. But for the second straight month, he has been named the Player of the Month. He earned his second consecutive monthly honor. Uh, honor pardon me. Led all WHL skaters with 28 points through the month of November. And like I said, he enters this month, the first day of December, on a 25-game point scoring streak. So if that's underwhelming, sign me up for four more months of that stuff. <laughs> he leads the WHL in points. He has 57 yeah. points. Guess who has the next closest? A kid from Kelowna with 43. Crazy. So that's what? I'm not good at math. 14 points more yeah, than that's second right, that's place? Right, that's right. Hey, coming up right away, we got our clutch performer, and we're going to hear from the Duke, James Duke Ellingson. He's going to ring us up. We're going to talk about things going on with the Ottawa Red Blacks. This is the Sports Cage on 620.ca. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, just before we head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with our friend Duke Ellingson, former rider great. You got a text there on our text line, Zinger? Yeah, I do. It's a pretty funny one. It's, uh, hey, I forgot my glasses again today. Okay. Also, give me one second. Do you want me to turn it around and do it? Yeah. There you go. Where is the? Where is it? At the bottom there. Oh. Austin Powers. Uh, regarding Canada at the World Cup, only one thing comes to mind. To quote Austin Powers, whoop-de-doo, Basil. You remember that quote? Yeah. Whoop-de-doo, Basil. Yeah. What's it yeah. all mean? What's it all mean? <laughs> Let's go out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to the Duke, James Ellingson. How are you, James? 
I'm doing well. It's not often you get an Austin Powers uh, like reference for an intro. That was good. I'm fired up, Duke, because, you know, this is what I get. The only time anybody dismisses a Canadian athlete usually is when he's a youth sports football player, a junior football player, or a Canadian playing in the CFL. It's often correlated with the word Bush from some people. Oh, it's Bush League. Get rid of Canadians. Let's have the best player. But Canada gets hyped up to the nines for this World Cup, and the only thing they did was score one goal. I'm not saying that it wasn't great to go to the World Cup, but I, the only thing historic about it to me was, A, the hype, and B, the letdown. Yeah, and you know what? You're, you're kind of preaching a bit to the converted here, obviously, as a Canadian athlete who played both in youth sports back in the day and in the CFL, and also not a huge soccer fan. So I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, a little bit uh, overdone on the hype machine. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay, so it looks like, according to Farhan Lalji, we got our short uh, list for the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, head coaching position. Corey Mace, who really came on, did a great job with the Argos defense in his first year, and obviously stymied the Bombers. Mark Washington, a D coordinator who was paid his dues. And speaking of paying his dues, Bob Dice. If I had to give my two cents, I hope Bob Dice gets it. He has earned the right to be a head coach full-time. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people in Ottawa feel uh, a bit of that. And at the end of the day, um, Sean Burke's going to make his decision. And I know it's a feel-good story for Bob because, as you said, he's waited a long time. He's had opportunities to coach in this league, uh, around the league. He's had two chances now to be an interim head coach and uh, for the most part, you know, done a pretty decent job. And for, one thing for sure in, in this city with the players here, they really, really like Bob Dice. Played hard for him as a special teams coach and played hard for him in the few games that he was their head coach. But at the end of the day, you can't necessarily make that your criteria for hiring a head coach. And I do think he's in tough with a couple of these young guys who also, to your point, have paid their dues. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as it relates to Ottawa, uh, Jeremiah Masoli, what are we hearing about his health? Is it looking like uh, he could be back to uh, you know Jeremiah Masoli-like in time for the season? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. He was um, he was kind of around the team and and um, you know throwing throwing a little bit, not in practice, but just around the team and uh, traveling near the end. And and I think he's he's on the road to recovery. I know everybody that follows the league knows what happened there, the 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 situation in Saskatchewan during the season. But you know, Jeremiah is not a young man, and he has had a couple of really pretty serious injuries, and I think that's. The one question mark going into the off season. There's no no question he will be the the starter um, on the depth chart here in Ottawa um, going into next year. But it's really about can he can he get through an entire season? Can he be productive? And can he help them um, you know get back somewhere to the the level that they had um, you know in the Trevor Harris Henry Burris days, which now seems like a long way a long time ago. Doesn't it? It for sure it does. Former rider James Duke Ellingson. Hey, by the way, what you you played in a Grey Cup? Uh, uh, what do you think of that what do you think of that great cup here at mosaic stadium that was a that was a top five all-time ending at least you know what it was great um first of all the, the weather was fantastic <laughs> yeah i i always shudder the week of the great cup when you keep looking at the forecast and wondering if you're going to get the crazy minus 25 or whatever but it was awesome and, and the stadium looked great um and yeah the finish was was phenomenal um i can't remember if i've ever seen two blocked field goals in uh, in the end of any game, let alone a championship game. And I thought it was great. I know a lot of people in Regina probably were cheering for Toronto. And uh, a great story. Uh, I think it would have been a great story either way to see Winnipeg get their three-peat. But uh, Toronto, 
you know the way it happened and how they how they found a way at the end was was a lot of fun. So you know what, there's been a lot of great great cups over the years, as you know, and I agree this one was uh, was right up there. Yeah, for sure. This is uh, James Ellingson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. What do you think uh, the big area of concern is for the Red Blacks once they hire their coach? Like I'm ter- I'm talking personnel. What do they got to beef up? What do they got to retool to to get back and win some football games here? Yeah, you know what? It's in some ways it's not a complete teardown, despite the record. Um, like a lot of teams, they had injuries this year that impacted some key positions and some key guys. But every team has those. Um, to me, it was a function of a couple of things. Uh, you know, offensively, I thought they were very vanilla, very predictable. I we, we all year long we talked about the fact that. Paul Appelis trying to be the offensive coordinator and the head coach and didn't do a great job at either. Um, but they're, I think the offensive line, like most I know in Saskatchewan, you guys had a historically bad offensive line, and you saw uh, the results of that. And I think that's one area they really have to try to find some fixes for, especially at the you know the American positions if they're going to play some tackles. Um, so it all starts up there up front, certainly on the offense. Uh, other than that, they have some decent skill position guys, and um, they'll be curious to see how they retool. But last year they brought in so many new faces, and I think a lot of the challenge they had was just trying to integrate all those guys, um, you know, knowing we have short training camps and all that in, in the CFL. So I think it's a work in progress, but I think Sean Burke did a pretty good job in year one. I got one uh, more Ottawa-related question. I'll leave that at the end. I want to ask you as a guy outside of this, because I think it's probably a two-horse race between Hamilton and Saskatchewan for Bo Levi-Mitchell. Do you think Bo Levi-Mitchell is washed do you think it should be buyer beware, given that uh, Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel, who know a little bit about football, are moving on from him? Yeah, you know, it's a fascinating one. Uh, I would say that I, I think he has something left in the tank. Uh, certainly uh, competitively, emotionally, I think he, he feels, and rightly so, right, that he was maybe shuffled aside a little bit in Calgary, and, and he wants to still prove that. So I think you're going to see a guy with with a lot of a bit of a chip on his shoulder which will bode well for whichever team gets him you worry about this the arm strength and the elbow given the injury that he had um but i do think he's got you know a couple of years left and you, know, you look around the nfl you look around uh, years past in the cfl a lot of quarterbacks have played well into their mid and late 30s so i think he's going to give uh, whoever gets them is going to give them a couple of good years you know we we started this conversation talking about canadians uh it was funny Ironic, wasn't it, uh, James Ellingson, former Canadian football player in the league? Uh, ten years, no Canadians. That was the first offer to the CBA. Shut down training camps for a bit. <laughs> and then you got Nathan Rourke come on the scene, best Canadian quarterback since Russ Jackson. We've been waiting for Russ Jackson for like 60 years. And the best player in the Grey Cup and the best Canadian was uh, the same guy, Enoch Mwamba. I thought it was a great – that was just apropos this year. I'll tell you what, I, I got fired up about that with the CBA um... – and, and you know what, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying this, and I think you probably, by the sounds of it, feel the same way. There is no CFL without Canadian players, and I think if we ever go down the path, I get that there needs to be a balance, and I get that um, you know perhaps there could be conversations about how many start and how many on the roster and those kinds of things, but to suggest that we would eliminate Canadian players from this league, uh, to me, you might as well fold it up, because... At that at that point, it simply becomes um, just another football league. And and I'll tell you what I've I've lived in obviously born and raised in Canada, lived in Ottawa, lived in Regina, lived in Vancouver, and 
can't tell you how many people say that one of the reasons they love watching the CFL is to watch Canadian kids get a chance to play professionally in their own country. And if we ever lose that, then to me, I mean, I'd walk away from watching it, and I think a lot of people would feel the same way. A uh, friend of the show, he listens all the time, Barkley McIver, I said, uh, Duke Ellingson on the show? He visited our church in 1988 in Woodrow, Saskatchewan, gave a great speech, then won a great cup. Do you remember that? If you don't, just lie and say you do. Oh, of course I do. Ironically, my mother was born in Woodrow, Saskatchewan, so wow. I don't necessarily remember that event, but I, uh, I certainly have a warm spot in my heart for Woodrow. Awesome, man. And lastly, I said this on Twitter, I am in the heartland of football. Like, there is no, the riders float all boats, rider nation. We know that, and you know that. But I think the best fan base this year in the CFL is the Ottawa Red Blacks. They had no reason to go there, the fans. Like, this team does nothing for them on home turf. I know the Elks suck too, but the Red Blacks have done nothing for them, and they were still coming out 20 large, 18 large. Kudos to Red Black Nation. You know what? It, it, it's a great point, and I, I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. How many road? Uh, sorry, how many home games in a row this team has lost? I think one win in the last twenty-two or whatever it is. And you're right; the fans have been unbelievable. They love football in Ottawa. They love that facility. If you've been, I know you have. It's a great place to watch a game. They've done a wonderful job with the facility and the park around it. And uh, although I still got to say, tough to beat Rider Nation, my friend. Well, yeah, you, you don't really do that, and we're glad you were a part of our history. Thanks for your time, James. We'll check on with the or check in with you again, okay? Always enjoyed it. Have a great night. Take care. That's James Duke Ellingson. Mom went from Woodrow to creating James Duke Ellingson. He was a key in 1989 with all those injuries, getting us to the West Final and then on to the Great Cup Championship against Hamilton. Coming up, we're going to speak with the great uh, reporter out of Winnipeg, Jeff Hamilton. This is the Sports Cage on 620 Cough. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the show. Corner of 12th and Rose, expecting 10 centimeters of snow. It is almost Christmas, so what are you going to complain about? Our, our parents should have conceived us in Florida or California or something. Uh, show is brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. One of the things that struck me at Great Cup Week, first time I talked to our next guest, he said, man, is it cold here. We haven't been this cold. And I'm like, Dude, you're from Winnipeg, but I guess they've had better weather than us. Uh, Jeff Hamilton, veteran sports writer there. Yeah, that's the one thing I remember at media, media night. You're like, it's cold here. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Jeff Hamilton, Miami, L.A.? No, he's Winnipeg. It's I guess you have had better weather than us, though. Well, hey... Baldy, if, if that's what you remember, if that's what you remember me from Grey Cup, that's a good thing because there could be a lot of things on that list. I, um, but I, but I'm, but it's funny because I think, well, I know when I when I showed up in Regina, and we obviously being a Winnipegger, we we deal with the similar exact yeah. same you know frigid temperatures. But I had been in Vegas, Arizona, and LA <laughs> the week before, yeah. so I had you know like a true prairie guy. I forgot everything about it, and when I came back, it was. You know, here I was in Regina, which I was happy to be at. Warm reception, we'll say, helped it all. Yeah, I remember uh, you, not for that. I remember you for, I always remember you for asking good questions. You asked some really good questions over there at uh, the the um, the thing with Ambrosi, the state of the CFL. I was, I uh, the one I asked, he politely shot me down in a nice used car salesman way. But I think uh, it's one of the things, and I'm critical of the league because I'm passionate about it. Uh, I love the CFL week. They, they, they got to find a way to get that back. 
They do. I don't care what they say. Even Bo Levi Mitchell was on yesterday, and I asked him about Grey Cup here, and he said, you know what I love? It's getting to meet guys you don't usually talk to. It's getting to meet the fans one-on-one. And that's what CFL Week is all about. They need to do that. Hey, you uh, You definitely have a, uh, you know, a partner in me in that because I definitely think that any attempt, you know, whether it be as grandiose as a CFL week uh, or something smaller, um, any way to keep the league, you know, keep talking about the league, bring attention to the league, having, you know, journalists and reporters and broadcasters report on the league is a benefit to the CFL and, and for far too long. And I'd say it's, it's clearly gotten better. It was obviously the best when the CFL week was there because it, it gave that momentum in the off season. But um, certainly they, they've definitely improved with being around longer. You know, this years ago, mm-hmm. it's like the CFL forgot they were even existed during the winter. And then, it, you know, got to spring and the, the snow started melting and you know there we were talking about three down football so it's certainly been better over the the off season um but uh, i definitely would be an advocate to get cfl week to boost that so we know the bombers uh, led the league in uh, attendance this year uh, obviously they are the flagship team in terms of on the field for sure um uh, how did, how's that playing in winnipeg uh when the jets are hot and the way the bombers are now are they equal or is it still a jets town how does that work and it's so funny you ask that question because, look, it's always going to be a Jets town. Like, it's just, it's just, you know, the way things work here and in other cities, yeah. you know, hockey mad cities, it's just, it's just the, you know, it's, it's where the most eyeballs are, where the most attention is. But I will say this, it's certainly not, not to take anything away uh, from the passionate Bombers fans. They're, uh, they're certainly live up to their, you know, their title of loudest. And, you know, I'm certainly a debate over where you guys are, but you know, I, I think we can agree the, the prairies, the prairie cities are, are where the CFL is, is loved the most. And so, but to answer your question, I mean, yeah, the Jets usually do have an edge, but the thing was for a very, for years, you know, the Jets were kind of in a, in a rough spot spot you know a lot high expectations certainly weren't being met for years and so you saw that move to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because you know I don't need to remind you guys mm. it was a lot of years before the before the Bombers finally broke that great cup curse so you know once they started you know look the city any every city wants a winner and so the, the Bombers have certainly have certainly punched above their weight and as far as you know capturing eyeballs and taking away that you know dispensable money for for sporting events um, it's a lot closer than it usually or has been in the past um, but certainly the Jets seem to take that win. Hey, we not. we go back and forth. I mean, I I, I in, in, you know jokingly cut down Winnipeg and stuff, but it's all about the rivalry, right? It's not like I'm living in New York City. I totally get it. But the one thing you can't say, uh, you know, you got to tip your cap to Winnipeg. Per capita, they've got more sports teams competing for the entertainment dollar than any other city, I think, in, well, for sure, Canada. Just with all the little, you know, the baseball team, you got the WHL team, you got the AHL team, like, there's so much there. Valor Soccer, they yeah. just announced yesterday the new basketball team. You're right. I mean, absolutely. There's a, you know, I think even when the Winnipeg Ice, the WHL team came, came to Winnipeg, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of talk about could they succeed here not because there wasn't a you know a lack of desire for the game but strictly you know as you mentioned just that fight for disposable income and you know obviously covid certainly didn't help with that and uh you know you know of course with uh, you know costs rising in seemingly every area of our you know our lives mm-hmm. that it's it's put a little bit of pressure on our wallets but i mean it is good news for for you know things like the basketball league uh, the the uh, sea bears the winnipeg sea bears which has created a little bit of buzz for not being polar bears 
but uh, I digress. But certainly, certainly a lot, lot to cheer for in this in this city and province. That doesn't even take into consideration we've got the Brandon Wheat Kings too. So it's if you bring the province all together, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity to watch sports here in this city and province. It's kind of an an interesting name. That's how I'll phrase it. Why the Sea Bears? So it's funny you say that. I'll put, the reason they call it Sea Bears, and I because I saw some people being like, "That's lame," you know. Winnipeg's no or Winnipeg, Manitoba is known for polar bears up in Churchill. Why wouldn't they do that? So the Sea Bears name was actually chosen in honor of the polar bear, whose Latin name is Ursus Martim, Martimus or something, which means sea bear. So, so <laughs> the, it is linked to polar bear, but it's Sea Bear. And here's the other thing: I don't know this for a fact, but I believe this has this would play a role in it. When the Winnipeg Jets came back, there was a push um, from True North Sports and Entertainment to not rename them the Jets. And what I believe their name, or at least one of the names, would have been Polar Bears. Mm. And so I don't know if True North has like a naming rights, if they you know have those naming rights or whatever. Um, that might play, but but don't. Uh, I know I'm saying it out loud here, but don't don't quote me on that because I'm not a hundred percent sure if that is the reason, but that could be a factor. Well, if anybody's going to find out, it's Jeff Hamilton, veteran sports writer in Winnipeg. Speaking of polar bears, so is he signed? Is he not signed? What's up with Mike O'Shea? You know what, Mike? You know he's signed. Like I, I don't. I, he's not obviously not signed in the sense that he hasn't put pen to paper. You know, I'm not going to. You know, sit here right now and say that Farhan Lalji's. You know, TSN's Farhan Lalji is is not right in his report. Uh, certainly. I mean, this is not surprising to me or anybody here in in Winnipeg. This was going to be not a long, drawn-out process, um, but it was going to be a very detail-oriented one. If anyone knows anything about Mike O'Shea, you know, he just exhausts the small detail. Like, I I couldn't even fathom being in a contract negotiation with him because when he shows up to those chats, you better be on your P's and Q's because he's going to have every T crossed, every I dotted, and there's going to be things that he's going to want to talk about that you might not even have thought about. So this whole negotiation, I, you know, I definitely see Mike O'Shea being the coach of this team, you know, next season and for seasons to come, probably inks another three-year deal as Farhan was reporting. Um, but it just hasn't been signed yet. My guess, early into next week. All know, right. I think they're going to take the weekend and, and sign it early next week. So let's get So we know Big Hill's back, Jefferson's back. When's the Winnipeg kid getting back, Dembski, or did I miss that? I uh, know you didn't miss that. You know, it's funny. I, I mean, before I even talk about Dembski, I think there's going to be a couple more here. Now, I think some of it has to do with the dollars left over from 2022. Yeah. As you know, you know, you have a little bit left on the salary cap. You can spend that for next year, this year. Um, I think the dollars are maybe being becoming less and less, but I do see like, a, you know, I see like Stanley Bryant and Jamarcus Hardrick coming back, the two big tackles, yeah. obviously, on the Winnipeg performers. But that you were to ask me, and this isn't, this is based more on gut than anything. Um, obviously, my conversations in the past with these players, Nick Dembski and Jackson Jeffcoat are the two guys that kind of come to mind that I don't want to say will chase money, but know their value. And so I'm not saying that Nick Dempsey's not going to be a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. If you're asking me right now, do I think he's in Winnipeg or somewhere else? My guess would be Winnipeg. Um, but I am curious just because of how versatile he's been in this league. And he's, he had a bit of a breakout season this past year, um, what it will take to sign him in Winnipeg and whether or not he will feel that will be enough. But that's a wait to be uh, seen. And I would argue one of the more interesting 
contracts that, that need to be re-signed. What, what's up with Buck Pierce? He just doesn't want to move on. He likes it in Winnipeg. Uh, he, he turned down uh, interview champs. Yeah, you know, Buck Pierce is a whole lot like Mike O'Shea in that, you know, he's like he's the kind of guy that wouldn't be thinking about those things until he's asked. You know, and in this case, obviously, Ottawa reached out to him. Um, you know, I think some people are a bit surprised that he even turned down the interview. You know, I've talked to some people who have been like, well, why wouldn't he just go through the process? Why wouldn't he just learn what it's like? Well, that's not what he does. And he's not the kind of guy who's going to waste someone's time if he knows truly it's not a good fit for him, and I think that's the case here. He did this before when he was a quarterback's coach and was being courted uh, for offensive coordinator uh, opportunities. He turned down Montreal without even taking an interview. I think Sass reached out to him at one point. Um, it's kind of the same story there. Uh, so, and, and the other thing, too, is you know I, I don't want to speak for Buck uh, at all, but I did a story on him and his wife over over the you know prior to the 2021 season you know the covid year had just started and his wife Lori had, had battled two bouts of cancer mm. um and so with two young kids i'm not going to say that they just started to get settled this year but there's probably a little bit of calmness in their life after a pretty hectic year and to kind of pack up and move your family somewhere um and she's also from winnipeg so there's roots here to pack up for a job that you're not 100% sure about, I just don't think um, that's what Buck wants to do. Okay, so you, you've you been covering sports a while. Is there one moment that kind of sticks in your brain? Because for me, this one just popped up on my Twitter feed. It was 25 years ago today. You spoke of, <laughs> you spoke of Brandon, that Sandra Schmerler in the trials makes that unbelievable shot. You know, uh, that's one that sticks out for me. Yeah, and that, I saw that on on Twitter today too. And, and um, what an incredible, what an incredible shot and and short career. Um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you know, it's a tough one, but uh, you know, moments. I you know, I, I've been asked that question before. I mean, my own personal moments in sports that like you know stick. I remember being a kid and the Jets leaving. You know what I mean? I, I you yeah. know, it's obviously not a, an exciting one, but I remember going to, you know, I remember going around and, and trying to get pennies into the, you know, collect pennies and throw them into the, you know, collected pot to save the Jets. And so I remember, you know, being at the rink when it had already been decided they were going to move. Um, one thing that does stick out to me, I just have so much respect for Sidney Crosby. Um, and I was, I had the pleasure of being in Pittsburgh for the Jets game, covering that game when he scored his thousandth point. Okay. And I thought that was a cool kind of milestone but I mean I mean I'm trying to think like you know, obviously there's great moments in sports I, I, I put it more towards the one I've witnessed firsthand and say you know something on TV or whatever but um, yeah I'd say there's been plenty of moments I think the covering the Winnipeg Blue Bombers great cup after you know 20 29 years was a big moment for you know this province and city so I've definitely been lucky to cover certain things those are a couple there we could probably talk for an hour about great sporting moments top five great cup finish I think this year it was like you don't see two block field goals in a year let alone the last two minutes uh, unbelievable and I thought for sure listen I was not gonna lie to you Jeff I was throwing stuff I was there for the first half in the skybox but people talk and I'm like I gotta watch the game I want to watch the game mm-hmm. so I went home and I'm glad I did because it was a great second half I I was throwing stuff at my TV almost. The Bombers are going to escape again after that Robbie Smith face-masking penalty, which was a penalty, and then they, he ends up blocking the kick. But that was a gr- – not for Winnipeg, but that was a great finish. Unbelievable. I mean, I think if you're if you're, if you're you're from the – like, you know, Randy Ambrosi at the FRC, the Football Reporters of Canada, 
you know, breakfast we had. I mean, he says the same thing every year. You know, all the CFL hopes for is that it goes down. You know, it's a game within the last three minutes, uh, and whoever wins wins. And I, you know, he got exactly what he what he hoped for and wished for. And I mean, whether you know, I think whether you're a Bombers fan, obviously you're you're not happy. You're pretty devastated by the end result. But you got to give credit to Toronto. I mean, that was an absolutely bananas fourth quarter. And when you say something like that about the CFL, that's saying something because there's seems like every week there's something bananas that happens. So. Yeah. Um, I definitely tip my hat to Toronto. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, there's that was kind of the identity of the Bombers this year. A lot of people looked at what they did in 2021, and, and they rolled over everybody except for pretty much Hamilton in the Great Cup final. Um, and then this season, you know, they had 15 wins, seven of which were set by seven or fewer points, four of which were by two or fewer points. So they've always found really a way to to be on that winning side in, in, in close, contested games. And like I said, kudos to Toronto, who not only came up with massive plays, but had a guy in, you know, Chad Kelly, who came in with like what eight nine minutes remaining, and and uh, and and mounted a comeback for for them. I mean, and that was in a game where they were yelling at each other again on the sidelines. So there's there's a beautiful chaos brewing with the Argonauts, uh, and it came to fruition at the perfect time. And uh, again, you know. Congratulations to them for beating a really good Bombers team. Okay, and lastly, I saw your tweets. Part of the reason I got you on, because you, you kind of tweeted what I have been saying. It's like a kid who's playing peewee hockey. It, it, it's funny to watch NHL defensemen turn and skate with Connor McDavid and then turn around and backskate at the last second because they know they can't backskate. Like, the guy is in a sport that goes 100 miles an hour. When he goes on the ice, it goes to another level. He, You talked about Crosby. Gretzky, I think, is the greatest player of all time, just based on the fact that Hey, if he never scored a goal, he's still the leading scorer. But I think Connor McDavid might be the best offensive player we've ever seen in the NHL when it's all said and done. Well, it's so, you know, he's so prolific, you know, I mean, and I would argue the most prolific player in in hockey history. And I mean, that's just one guy's opinion. But, you know, my, my tweet last night, was, you know, I, for those who didn't see it, I, I essentially said, like, he's like that teenager who goes through puberty before everybody else and just makes a mockery <laughs> of the game by going around defenders. I mean, the, but the fact is, he's a grown man doing it, the, you know, the best, best league on the planet. I mean, it's, it's just, he makes the game look easy and we all know how difficult and challenging that game is how, how much work and effort that people need to put into their craft to do half of those things and that's not to su- suggest that Connor McDavid isn't working hard he's probably working harder than anybody else and it and reaping the benefits of it but the number one thing in covering you know this in covering the NHL and talking to players on the Jets and players you know being able to travel and talk to other players and other teams about Connor McDavid you know more often than not players have have either the skating ability, uh, the hands, or and the mind. Sometimes they'll have two of those, right? The way that you know when you're yeah. you, you have the mind and your skating's going really well and you and you're thinking well, but maybe you don't have the hands or the finish or whatever or whatever the combination of those three. Everyone to a man has told me that. Connor McDavid has all three. So when he's wheeling and dealing, his hands are moving in sync with his feet and his brain is moving in sync with his hands and his feet. And it makes him the most dangerous player to play against and makes, you know, you watch guys play against them, defenders play against them. Look at how much room they give him. And then yet we see plays like we did yesterday where he, he goes up the right boards and it's like, you can just tell that moment. And he's about 10 feet from the, from the defenseman. This guy's done. And so to be able to watch him, I think this is a generational talent and certainly a special, 
special hockey player. Well, and we'll talk about this next time uh, next time because we're out of time, but I'd love to pick your brain because everybody jumps on the CFL for poor marketing of their stars. The NHL is actually worse than the CFL because they've got more money and 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 half of a half of sports fans in North America wouldn't know who the hell Connor McDavid is. My kid goes to UND, a hockey school, and they're like, "Who's that kid? Who's the guy in the orange jersey, Mick Mick something?" So we'll talk about that next time. Thanks for your time, Jeff. I appreciate it. You can check him out at Jeff K Hamilton on Twitter. He's a great follow. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Ballsy. Appreciate it, my man. All right, Jeff Hamilton joining us when we come back. We'll get to some uh, sports news with Zinger and some Thursday thoughts, as I like to call it, here on the Sports Cage on 620. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. It's 4.53 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. So Canada lost once again this morning in their final group stage game at the World Cup. 2-1 to one the final versus Morocco, so Canada loses out. Croatia and Morocco advance to the round of 16. Highly touted Belgium eliminated alongside Canada in Group F. And a shocker in Group E. Japan beat Spain today 2-1. So despite Germany's 4-2 win over Costa Rica, Costa Rica, I never know if it's Costa or Costa. It's Costa this time. Germany is eliminated and Spain and Japan will be the two teams moving on from that group. So craziness, Germany, they won the World Cup in 2014. Since then, it's been back-to-back group stage exits. You're out. Okay, some Thursday thoughts now other than uh, sports, although we will tell you this. Here are a few things to look forward to in December. Lots of NFL action this month. College football bowl games get started December 16th. And of course, the World Cup goes through December 17th. In movies, the action comedy Christmas flick Violent Night opens tomorrow. Uh, The long-awaited sequel Avatar The Way of the Water hits theaters December 16th. Bring an extra cup to pee in, though. It's three hours and 12 minutes long. Yeah. So there you go. I, I wasn't into the first one. On TV, the show Too Hot to Handle on Netflix gets going next Wednesday. And Harrison Ford's new Yellowstone prequel, 1923, hits Paramount Plus on the 18th. I'm not into the prequels. I just like Yellowstone. Have you watched uh, uh, Tulsa King with Sylvester Stallone? No, I you haven't. you got to check that out. Have you, did you mention the movie that uh, it's coming out late December, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt? No. It's about, uh, it's about like old school Hollywood. Oh, cool. You know yeah. Margot Robbie. Yeah, I know right? Mar- yeah, Margot Robbie. Yeah, nice for sure. to look at, kind of. <laughs> okay, if that's what you're into. Finally, the holidays. <laughs> we know the big one's Christmas. We know New Year's Eve is December 31st, New Year's Day, but that would be January 1st. Uh, also, Hanukkah from the 18th to the 26th, and Kwanzaa from the six, uh, 26th to January 1st. But there's also National Cookie Day this Sunday, National Ice Cream Day on the 13th, Ugly Sweater Day on the 16th, the first day of winter, even though we're getting 10 centimeters of snow tonight, is actually December 21st. Festivus is December 20, Yeah, it's 20, <laughs> December 23rd. Thought I passed that along. Hey, if you're an Alan Jackson fan, and many that listen to CKMR, don't rock the jukebox. Wanna hear some Jones? Anyway, uh, and if you like whiskey, well, you're a friend of ours here on the Sports Cage. You also should watch his daughter, Maddie, make a freight train cocktail just to YouTube that uh, using Alan's own Silver Belly Whiskey. 
Okay, so it, it uh, includes 1.5 ounces of Silver Belly whiskey, 0.75 ounces of Mescal, a half an ounce of Lillet Blanc, and four dashes of Peychaud bitters. So there you go. You combine that in a rock, uh, in, in a rock's glass over large ice cubes and stir. Garnished with a lemon peel, apparently. I don't drink, and you don't drink. But. Sounds like junk. <laughs> That's good. Okay, and I'll tell you what. It's the time of the year to be stressed out, okay? It is that time of the year, so we got our production staff together in the back to put together this little ditty that we can all sing together. Hit it! It's the most expensive time of the year. Prices will sting for the important things like the high cost of beer. Yeah. It's the most Expensive time of the year. I'm already broke. It's the worst time of the year to buy gifts. Anytime is. Amazon's fired the people they hired to fill last year's shifts. It's the worst time of the year to, to buy gifts. Paying 8% more at a Every store has become a new shopping room. Just inflation. But if you think it's bad, just remember your dad had to walk in the snow barefoot to school. Reminds me every day, man. It's the most expensive time of the year. I'm broke. I need money. Official voice of the Saskatchewan Roughriders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Usually like a meat locker in here, Zinger. Like you could hang meat in here. And I shoveled this morning or this afternoon or whenever it was. I had a quick 45-minute cat nap. You and hot then, or are you cold? Well, I put my long johns on and forgot to take them off, so I am sweating. Oh. Like a sinner in church. It's crazy, oh. man. Crazy. Anyway, the show's brought to you by our friends at spreads.ca. Uh, you sign up using the code CKRM, and you will be in the running for a bunch of great promo offers. You can text us, 936-6262. Our text line brought to you by uh, uh, Capital GMC, the corner of Rochdale and Pasco. What are you snickering at? I'm just looking at my... I wore my Germany jacket today, and as soon as Germany lost, or as soon as I found out that Germany wasn't advancing, I took it off. Yeah. I'm just such a part-timer. Oh, you should, I'd be mad, too. I'm mad at Canada. Overhype, man. I'll tell you what. Listen, we're going to have Kevin Holness on a little later, local soccer expert, former national team member. It takes talent to play at a high level. It takes endurance and skill to do all that stuff. It's soccer. It's not my favorite sport, but I will watch a really good soccer game over a boring three-point fest in the NBA now. The NBA bores me to death. It's brutal. Um, but, come on, man. You hyped that thing up like this is going to be the greatest thing in the world. It was garbage. The the you know what was you know what <laughs> the the hype and the letdown that was historical. 
Nothing else was historical. Wing ding, you scored a goal. Congratulations. And you lost today 2-1, and you didn't score a goal. Morocco scored your goal. <laughs> Embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Let's go into the Western Pizza Hotline. Say hi to our friend Andy McNamara, our betting expert, UFF uh, Sports. Hey, listen, it's not a commentary, Andy, on the athleticism of the players, but it was, that was the most overhyped. If that was a sequel, it flopped. Like, Top Gun was a great sequel, Maverick. This was garbage. Ballsy, if you ever want to have a, a, a detailed conversation about how much I hate and think that soccer is overrated, I will come on your show anytime because I'm with you, man. They're totally overhyped. Listen to this, okay, people? What a loser mentality for Canada. Oh, we scored a goal. You lost three times. That's a loser mentality. You want Portugal, Brazil, all those other guys. If they get one goal scored, the people are ready to riot. We score one, and it's, oh, get, what, wow. The, and here's the other thing that gets me, too, that really bugs me, if I can have a moment, Balsy. Go ahead. Is this, Floor is, is yours. This, whenever people who are not real soccer fans, which are most of us, right, whenever they talk about soccer, do you not notice sort of a faint English accent a little bit? There? Oh, what a beautiful volley on the pitch. Yeah. Nil, no, shut up. Yeah. It's a field, it's a tie. <laughs> Only the English say nil, and you don't know what you're talking about, and neither do I with soccer. Overrated and Canada loser mentality. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's unpopular. Yeah. Loser mentality. Yeah, yeah. Somebody texted me and said it's nil, nil, Balti. No, it's not. It's, no, it's zero, not. zero. Nothing, nothing. Not. Here, here's soccer for you. It's not that. Here's it's soccer. Someone with soccer told me that. Someone oh, who like oh, knows soccer yeah. told me if it's not in England, it's not nil nil. Like it's it's not right to say that because you're sounding like a jackass saying nil nil, thinking that you're English. You know, here's I'll sum up soccer for you in thirty seconds, okay, or less. Here we go. Here, coming in, coming in. Oh, and nothing happened. Here, oh, oh, he's good. Oh. And it goes out of bounds. Oh, 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 he's hurt. Oh, no, he's not. They sprinkled some miracle water, and he's back on uh, like a flower that's uh, been watered. Like, it's just, listen, they're good af- They're great athletes. It's the World Cup. It's the biggest sport, but the most overhyped World Cup garbage mess. Like, I don't even care who wins. I'm not even watching it now. I'm done. I, I tried to buy into it. Forget it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I didn't watch. I didn't watch any of it. Unpatriotic, Andy. I didn't watch a second because I'm not a phony. That's why I didn't want to watch it. I didn't care if that happened, and I knew they wouldn't win, and it happened. And uh, that just oh, just drives me nuts. I feel very relieved. I can never say those things out loud. Typically, people go, "How do you not like soccer?" Because I don't. Guess what? If you're laying the lines, if you're betting on soccer, take the under, folks, because it's usually a tie. In a lot of situations. I understand why they're so drunk and they blow things up because they're bored out of their mind. <laughs> it's like, what the, what the heck is going on? Oh. Anyway, so let's get to football. It's been a, you know, yeah. let's, not, let's not pat yeah. ourselves on the back too much because American football has not been spectacular for the most part this year. Let's be honest, Andy. Well, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean, okay? But, to, <laughs> but tonight we might get a rare good Thursday night game. We got the Buffalo Bills... And the New England Patriots, eight and three versus I think a phony six and five Patriots team. Like they're great in some statistical categories, but they haven't played anybody good in a lot of cases. No, no you're absolutely right. Um, now look, here's the thing: the problem with the Patriots. If anyone's a Patriots fan, the problem is if Belichick's the coach, you're never going to be bad enough to bottom out. You're never going to be bad enough to get a real proper first round quarterback. 
And look at how the offense is. Mac Jones, for the first time this season, threw for more than one passing touchdown. That was last week, and they lost the game. This is a super uh, low-powered offense. High octane for Buffalo, low-powered. So uh, the defense is great. They can run the ball. I do like tonight Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots with uh, Damian Harris out. There's a prop play over 61 and a half yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, pays minus uh, 115, I think. I do like that. I think he will go over. But I, I, I'm with you. I think it's a little bit propped up that 6-5. and five. Okay, so I want to talk about this. Are we are we buying Mike White? <laughs> I'll tell you. I, what, what gets me almost <laughs> as fired up, what gets me almost as fired up is talking World Cup and the loser mentality for Canadian soccer is Mike White. And here's what. What's the old saying? If you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Okay? Well, let's take a little history lesson here, folks. Let's get in the time machine and flash back. Guess what happened? Almost a year to the day, November 2021 AFC Player of the Week, Mike White of the Jets. Oh, remember, everybody, Andy, should we get him off of waiver wires? I said, no, are you nuts, people spending everything? What happened the next week? He threw for 96 yards. What happened the next week, Ballsy? Zero touchdowns, four interceptions. Back to the bench with Mike White. We're going to see it again. Mike White pops. Okay, now people get a week to prepare for him, and it's going to be a smackdown, I believe. Mike White, not fantasy relevant. I don't care how it is real life. They might figure out a way to win or make it close. Fantasy-wise, not relevant. Mike White. Yeah, I'd rather start Vanna White. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Better legs. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so uh, how about Trevor Lawrence? How are you feeling about Trevor Lawrence after that uh, that nice uh, bounce-back win against the Ravens? So this is where people go, Mike White. I'm, uh, Mike plays Trevor Lawrence, Baldy. Yeah, and it's not just one win, too. They had to buy the week before. Well, you lost to Kansas City, but look at those fantasy points. That's 21 fantasy points there. Then when Baltimore beat the Raptors, 25 fantasy points. So now all of a sudden we're seeing Trevor Lawrence on a six-touchdown-to-zero interception run over his last three games. And I'm liking what I see. Oh, and by the way, I almost forgot, you're playing the Detroit Lions who've given up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. I would stack them. If you're going into your DraftKings contest, I would stack Trevor Lawrence and receiver Zay Jones of the Jaguars. Stack them. One, two, you're going to get a great punch against the Lions in your DraftKings live. And if you need help uh, on a bye week or injury in your fantasy leagues, stack those two this week. I love it. Our picks against the spread, I was one and one. I don't know how you were last week. I forgot the right years down. Do you know how, how you were? You forgot? That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here we go. Better this week. Here we go. We're going to go our underdogs first. I'm going the team that I think is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. They're plus 2.5 at home against the Chiefs. The bank, nobody circles the wagons besides the Buffalo Bills like the Cincinnati Bungles. I'm going with former Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Zach Taylor as the coach, and the Bengals to win on home turf. Well, let's think of it this way, too. You're getting Jamar Chase back. Yes. Off weapon, no pain in that hip. Reports coming out. He feels he feels a hundred percent. And look at the line. Kansas City only two point favorite on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, that to me is saying okay. Well, even if it even if they're visitors, they're still picking Kansas City. Even if you put it at a neutral yeah. site, less than a touchdown. Yeah, so, I, I think that's a great pick. Home dog for the Bengals, right in the hunt, chance to get first in the AFC North. I, I love it. Who uh, who do you like for your underdog? underdog? So here's here's who I like, and I think. Um, 
not enough is being put on this is Justin Fields' injury designation cleared against the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, his thumb hurts, his ribs hurts, he's sad. He's, he does, he might, what's how, Jordan Love might play. <laughs> uh, no, you look at the Bears at home, Packers three-point favorites? No way. I'm love with Justin Fields before he got injured. He was tearing it up. Plus 150 on the DraftKings Sportsbook to straight up beat the Packers. I love it. I'm taking the plus 150. And again, you're looking at fantasy. Justin Fields, folks, go back and get yourself Cole Komet if you dropped him. Because two games with Justin Fields, that guy got 20 fantasy points in each of those. Cole Komet, Justin Fields stack as well. Okay, and I am going with my, I'm going two underdogs, Okay. Going two under. I feel I like okay. I feel like going two underdogs today like because it. eleven points. I think for Dallas at home is too much against the Colts. I know their offense sucks, but Jonathan Taylor's back. He can run the football. Maybe they can keep Dak Prescott off the field. They're not going to win, but I don't see Dallas winning by more than eleven points. You know what? I don't mind that. Those double digit plays are tough. Those are tough to come by and uh you know the Colts with Jeff Saturday they're, they're spry right they're he admitted you know oh I screwed up the game clock like they're they're gamers I, I think you're right the under uh the Colts to cover not bad if they had minus 115 to cover 10 and a half but I'll, I'll take that okay and your favorite is who is it tonight I think well you know what okay it's tonight with the Buffalo Bills but I want to you insp- you inspired me with the double underdog, if I may. Okay, I may go ahead. An Omaha, an oh. Omaha, hey, Omaha. We're changing it. Okay. Saints <laughs> over the Buccaneers Monday Night Football plus Whoa. four, plus one sixty five on the DraftKings Sportsbook to win outright. Why? Why? Tom Brady, as a member of the Bucks, has not beaten the Saints. My Browns put the boots to him in overtime. He looked gone. Here's here's some inside tips for the listeners too. Why I'm so uh, up on the Saints in this one, even though they're a very weird team this year uh, as far as how they're built. But Tom Brady, one of the Browns insiders that I know quite well, was in the stadium, said he saw Tom Brady get out of the car, walk in underground the Browns stadium. He said, quote, Andy, he looked weird. I said, what do you mean? He said he looked weird. He, he's apparently, uh, according to a Tampa Bay guy he talked to, has lost 20 pounds since the divorce stuff. He looks like his eyes are just off. Like he, Something's not quite right. And that's why I think you can make some money off of Tom Brady's misery on the post. I love it. Tom Brady's having a bit of a rough life now, man. We we need to do a we, we need to do a radio fun for Tom Brady just so he can feel good again. Hey, uh, Andy, we're, this has been a great segment. Where can we find all your stuff? Oh boy, oh, I got a great show coming up tomorrow. My Six Browns podcast, uh, but also fantasy football and betting tips as well. That's all coming up on uh, YouTube, on Twitter. I got at AndyMC81 at SickPodBrown Sunday morning, of course. The Ultimate Fantasy Football Show on the Fired Up Network, Fired Up App, 200 platforms. Pretty much everything on Twitter and Instagram, at AndyMC Sports, Instagram, at AndyMC81 on Twitter, and uh, you'll find me there. Andy McNamara, it's always fun. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, that's good. Andy McNamara. I'm sure we got the soccer fans fired up. Get the text coming, 936-6262. We'll be back with our Coach of the Week. He comes to us from the SJHL Best Team in Canada, the Battleford North Stars. It's the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 Equipment. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. A 
All right, time now for a thing we like to do each week here on the Sports Cage. Well, we did it for a while, got away from it. We're getting back to it because we got a lot of great coaches, pro and amateur, in this province. Our coach of the week is uh, Braden Clamosco from the Battleford Stars. Man, you guys are rolling this year. Yeah, it's been a good start, man. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate uh, you coming on. So, what's been the key here with this uh, hot start? <laughs> You know, I, I think it, I think it started in the off season. You know, I think overall we wanted to make sure we were in you know in good shape, and guys came back you know motivated, ready to go. And it's just we have such a good group. They love coming to the rink every day and getting better. And it's just a snowball effect of, of guys just wanting to be better. You know, and and uh, makes it easy as coaches to come to the rink every day when everyone's kind of bought in that way. And and really uh, just wants to, you know, work on their game every day. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, uh, what do you like better? Do you like uh, the coaching side or the GM side? Oh, coaching for sure. You know, I, I, I like handling the players and working on the ice and practicing. Um, you know, the the managing side isn't, you know, the the funnest at times where you're, you know, maybe a trading a player, cutting a player and, and everything like that. The coaching part of it's always the fun part. Yeah, so talk about that because it's interesting. As the coach, you know, you got to pump these guys up. You got, you're entwined with them in the heat of the battle and then you maybe have to have a tough conversation about, hey, we've shipped you to this place. What's that like? Yeah, it, it, it's never fun. You know, that's one thing you don't like about as a coach and a GM part of it is you're, you know, guys, you know, necessarily, you know, you're basically telling them it's just, it's not going to work here. And, and, you know, some of them are doing all they can and want to be here and, you know, trying their hardest, you know, to make a team and be a part of it. And you're basically saying, no, we're, we, we don't, you know, you don't, don't necessarily fit. So it's always tough. You know, it, it's definitely tough at times. And, you know, it's, uh, you, you got to play that balance of, you know, uh, you know, respecting them and, and being, Kind of their, you know, their their teammate and, and friend, but also uh, got to understand you got to do what's best for the club. You've been uh, around this league as a player and a coach. How much has this league changed over the years? Changed lots. You know, I think overall it's, uh, you know, it's been a, you know, a, a big part of my life. You know, overall, and you know, it's continued to evolve. The game's getting faster. It's getting more skilled than it ever has before. Um, you know, the one thing that I feel like has always been the same is the passionate. You know, fans we have in these in these uh, in these towns that love their junior hockey, and you know, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, it's 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 a special uh, special place in my heart. I know I've I've been to the AJ for a year, and just different out there. You know, not saying it's bad or bad or good. It's just it's not. I feel like the passion here is just so much more, and the you know the towns and the communities really you know get by you know behind their clubs. Braden, were you concerned at all during the pandemic we wouldn't even have an SJHL because I got my broadcasting career starting in Estevan with the Bruins, so I know what it's like. Uh, these are you said, and you said it right. These teams are critical to their communities, but this league isn't exactly flush with cash at the best of times. You're right, you know, and I think that was uh, obviously a major concern, and you know it helped. You know, probably without the money from the government, we you know we'd be talking talking about probably you know potentially a few less teams so we we got we got through it and you know we're lucky to do that i know like it was really important to get back to normal by march last year to you know have some butts back in the seats and everything like that and 
you know, I feel like, you know, the fans have, you know, backed, you know, backed their teams again here to really support their clubs because, you know, all the all the communities know how important their junior clubs are. So uh, I'm more on the football side where they're like, uh, you know, minimum 60 guys in a locker room, if not more. And we hear a lot about culture. We talked about the culture with the Riders this year in a down season, the culture with the Bombers because they're in the mix the last three years. What makes for a good uh, culture, in your opinion, in a dressing room? It's in a smaller scale in hockey because you don't have as many guys. But what makes for a good uh, uh, room? Yeah, you know, I I was able to play some some junior football after with the Saskatoon Hilltops, and really, you, you boo, know, it's a big difference. Boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a former Ram, I'm a former Ram, so I got to throw that in there. That's cool, though. Who knows? I, I, I didn't know you were a football player. Anyway, continue with your thought process. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Well, in in the one thing is the personalities of you know sixty players compared to. 25 is totally different you know as, as a coach here you know it's a little bit easier to manage I feel like you know uh you know you could talk I could talk to Sarge and see what he thinks about managing 60 but 25 is you know a nice number where you're, you're able to handle it a little bit more and you able to uh yeah it, the, the culture is a big part of of any kind of successful team and you know I think the one thing you know when I got this job culture was already set you know by some really good coaches and I just had to keep that going which you know, is it made it a lot easier where I'm not, you know, adjusting anything. I'm just following suit of what what's worked here in the past. So uh, I was very fortunate, as, you know, for my first game to be able to to go into a room like that. Two more quick questions for you. If I'm a I'm a parent of a player that's coming to play for you, or I'm the player, what can you tell me when I ask this? What does it mean to be a Battleford star? Um, what it, what it means to be a Battleford star is you are going to be expected to get better every day. You know, understand that you're here to play hockey. We're, we, you know, we, we're going to put in the work as coaches, and uh, you know, you're going to see some success. And it's going to be, it's not going to be easy though. You know, it's going to be hard work day in day out. And I think that's the best part is if you put in the work, you're going to see some major results here. So uh, this is a way of asking what kind of coach you are, because obviously you're a good coach. What makes a good coach, in your opinion? Um, I, I think you just care. You know, I think overall it doesn't matter how you get it done. You know, there's, you know, a thousand different ways to coach, you know, and understand that you got to do what's best for you that you feel like you're going to get the most out of your players. And the way you're going to get the most out of your players is by working hard for them. So you got to know that you don't have to tell them that you're working hard. They're just going to see that they're trying to do their best to make, uh, you know, the team better and everything like that. Which- so. We kind of, um, we kind of, yeah. we kind of draw a parallel. I've drawn a parallel between football and hockey. So let's wrap it up like this. Back in the day, I know when I coached and played, uh, we told players, and then I was told as a player, go do this, and you did it. But now players want to know why they have to do it. Show me why. Is that what you find in hockey too? Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. They're, they're going to ask the questions, and you better. The one thing they say is before you 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 make them do something, you better have be ready for that answer of why you know and i think that's really important and being on your toes and making sure you know yeah you, you're honest with them and, and, and be direct in those, in those answers because they're going to ask and make sure that you don't lie to them and and you know try and beat around the bush because with you know social media google and whatever else they're going to find the answer this team has 20 wins. They don't have a loss in regulation time. Best team in Canada, the Battleford North Stars. Thanks for this, Braden. I, I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. That's Braden Klamosko, our Coach of the Week here on the Sports.ca. 
Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, uh, and this uh, portion of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at um, Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. QualityTire.ca. I called my friend Randy over there. Got to get myself some tires. It is uh, snowing here, and we're going to get 10 more centimeters. Today, Zinger, I put on the brakes, and thank God the lady in front of me moved a little bit up. I wasn't going fast, thank goodness, because I couldn't stop. It was like, you know that when you've got it, when you're like Fred Flintstone and your foot's on the road and you're trying to stop and you can't and you can't? Whew. To be honest, Ballsy, I don't drive, so I, know, I don't know, you know what it's like. I don't, I know. When's the last, you've never driven? I've driven a bit before. Yeah, uh, how long How long haven't you driven for now? Uh, it's been It's been a couple of years. Yeah. Five, so, six years. So with that, in, with that in mind, we welcome in Glenn Suter. Suits? You and I have had uh, Colson and Nick and Blaine sub in, and they've been great, and they're good guys, and they work hard, and I like each and every one of them. But it feels like our hockey line is back together again with Sean Kleisinger back in the fold, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's great to have Zinger back. And as you know, Michael, we Zinger and I worked on those uh, interviews with alumni. Yep prior to every singer game in the season. And I, I have to say again that Zinger was, he stepped up, man. It was above and beyond because Sean had to, he put everything together. He tracked the guys down. He set up all the stuff. I just basically got a chance to sit in the chair and do the interview. <laughs> you got to be, yeah, you got to be the big time. You got to do the big time, sit in the chair and eat it all the grunt work. Me a I nice coffee, though. Yeah, it was yeah, good coffee. Yeah, yeah no, no. Hey, nice, you nice know point. what makes Zinger good? I'll give Zing, I'll pump his tires. What he makes him good is a lot of producers in radio just go through the motions. He actually loves sports. I love it. He bought onto our sports cage trip. He's going to LA. He's a, he's a great sports fan, so that's good. Okay, uh, I tweeted this out about two minutes ago and I don't care I don't care who I tick off I'm going to say this I love the fact, listen I respect all athletes I respect all sports they are high performance world class athletes as you like to say to steal your line, I'm talking soccer, so they did a great, you know it's the world cup, it's the biggest sport in the world there's no denying it but that was the most overhyped piece of junk I've ever been experiencing. Uh, like, like the, the hype was epic, the collapse was epic, but I saw nothing historic in Canada's play at the World Cup. And I just tweeted this out. I don't want to hear anybody ever again tweet me or say on Twitter, because I'll run right down their throat, that Canadian football players, be it U Sports, Junior, or at the CFL level, are Bush League. I won't stand yeah, for I- it. I, I won't either, and I, I've been. I, I'm glad I have an ally in that regard, or a handful of them, because uh, I certainly have tried to do that throughout the years too. And uh, you know, when you when you put them side by side, you know, a guy like Keon Schaefer Baker or Braden Lenius, I, I use those guys because they are just sort of to me the example of how how you know bigger, stronger, faster Canadian football players have become over the last decade. I mean, they just athletically have taken such a huge step and you could put them against any hockey player in the NHL 
put him up against any, uh, you know, football player in any league and any soccer player for sure. Different types of athletes, obviously, but, but just, you know, world class, as I've said many times. So I hear you. Here's a couple of other things that I, you know, I've always said when people come across a restaurant floor, you know, when they're out trying to enjoy their family or whatever it may be, and they walk all the way across the restaurant to come up to our table and tell me that they're not CFL fans, that they like the other league, I always scratch my head and wonder, first of all, you had to walk all the way across here knowing what I know, knowing what I do for a living, and then tell me that you don't like it. That I will never understand. But secondly, why don't you tell me what you like and sell me on your sport? or your type of music, or whatever, you know, you want to sell me on. And maybe it will broaden my horizons by looking at something new. So when it comes to soccer, it's not for me. But it just, there's, there's not enough scoring. It, it, there's no, there, you know, the, the idea that someone can brush by you and you fall on the ground, I, I just, I, it, to my core, that feels disrespectful to the sport to flop. That's why I hate when, when a player in, in football, in American football, flops. It, that, that is so disrespectful because the game is so physical. Um, but I also don't want to kick it or, you know, downplay it. Here, here's the other thing I want to ask, Be- just because of what I just said, that I'll sell you on the sports that I love, but, and you can sell me on your sports. I won't criticize yours, and I hope that in the future you don't criticize mine. And, that, and then we can sort of talk and maybe you'll sell me in watching a soccer game down the road. So the other thing is, you know, that, uh, in four years, Canada will host a couple of world cup games. I, I know you know that. Yep. So, so Michael, I was just reading an article where the five games that will be played in Toronto are going to cost. And they're looking at both the provincial level of government and the federal level of government. It's going to cost upwards of three hundred million dollars. Right, they got to they got to upgrade BMO for for five games. Okay, so again, I hope that we remember that because the idea that it could be the World Cup and it's in our backyard and oh my goodness, I I can't wait and all that. Good, fine. I I'm not going to criticize your love of the sport, but let's keep that in mind. When in the Maritimes, we start talking about a $200 million stadium being built, needing government assistance to build a stadium that would create legacy for amateur sports and host the 10th CFL football team, let's not throw our hands up to, you know, collectively as a country and say, no, no, we can't pay for sports. Wait a minute. You're willing to jump over the bridge and pay $300 million for five games, I just let uh, alone a new stadium. And, and, and yeah, and my tweet isn't, isn't to cut down soccer. I don't I'm not cutting down soccer. What I'm trying to say is don't get on Twitter with me and fight like one person did that the fifth year CIS quarterback of the U of S Huskies is no better than a Montana high school quarterback. Get that garbage out of here. Uh because yeah, I'm yeah. gonna tell you that fifth year U Sports quarterback 
was an academic old Canadian that's got two degrees, was teaching while he was still playing with the Huskies and taking them to a Vanier Cup and was averaging 340 yards passing a game. And he was running Mark Tressman's offense because Scott Flory borrowed it. So that's what I mean. I don't, I'm not going to hear anybody say, boy, Alfonso Davies is garbage. Oh, that John David's a terrible player. Uh, but I do hear a lot of... Come on. They, they have seven <laughs> Canadian starters in the CFL. Come on. We can't. We don't need. We want the best players on the field. Oh, I'll, I'll bring this up. Yeah. One of the best players on the field on any team in any game is a guy named Nick Dembski, a Canadian receiver, riders drafted him, Winnipeg guy. So I want to transition. Do you think Nick Dembski ends up back in Winnipeg? Uh, I, I think that any player, free agent player in Winnipeg right now is trying to fight to stay there. And what I mean by fight is not, you know, obviously it's a negotiation and they, everybody wants to make more money if they can. But um, I, I think there'll be a lot of guys, and I would put Nick Dembski in, the, in that conversation, that uh, will we'll look at it and say, I, I love the culture, I love the head coach, and I, I want to stay here. I mean, that's exactly... You know, what we've seen in a couple of signings, um, you know, in the last two weeks. So I believe he'll be the same way. And, and you're bang on right about his athletic ability. I mean, Andrew Harris played junior football before he moved to pros and has been maybe the best tailback, arguably the best tailback in the last five to eight, seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, before that, it was John Cornish. So, you know, I, again, uh, I, you know, that, that person that says, that makes those comments about the quality of athlete is just not qualified. And I, and, I, and I say that with all due respect because they're allowed their opinions, but just because you're allowed your opinion doesn't mean you're right. And, and you know, I would defer to guys that have been in the business around coaches, coaching and or playing and those guys know better, you know, the, the quality of athlete. And, and you got to lean on that. But somebody popping off like that and saying a high school player is the same. A high school player is a kid. These are grown men playing for their livelihoods. There's no comparison there. And that's just ignorant. All right. So I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to get your opinion on this. <clears throat> He just got released by the Edmonton Elks. He's probably done. He looked like a high school coach trying to be a, a comeback player. He jogged around half-heartedly, in my opinion. Deron Carter, what what would your synopsis be of his career? Because I just actually rewatched that game that you and Cuthbert did here against Toronto, and I was on the sidelines doing the sidelines for the radio broadcast, and I was right there in front of him, and he made that backhanded touchdown grab against the Argos. Kevin Glenn throwing it. That was one of the best catches I've ever seen on both sides of the border. I think when he was in the league, uh, Glenn Suter, uh, at the height of his talent, he was pound for ba- uh, pound the best athlete in the CFL. But... The elevator didn't always go up to the top floor in terms of being a, being a, a smart teammate, being in tune with his team, and being into the playbook. In my opinion, yeah, um, I, I, you've you sort of touched on my opinion, I've, and I've said it throughout his career, and I've actually talked to him personally, you know, face to face, and talked to him about it, um, you know, briefly, not not lengthy conversations, but but Deron is maybe one of the one of the best natural athletes 
in, in football. When he was in his prime and, and playing and making plays like he did in that game that you're talking about, you know, athletically, as good as anybody on either side of the border, athletically, as good as either side. It doesn't, you know, I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about one league versus the other. I'm mm-hmm. saying in either league, he's athletically as good or better than, than anybody in, in football. But he's a good player, not a great player. And because to be a great player, you have to be a great teammate. The game of football demands of you. You know playing in the amateur level, and your son knows playing at the college level. The game of football demands that you be a good teammate. If you're not, the spotlight will find you, and when the spotlight finds you, you cost your team. And, and that just, you, because there are 12 or 11 guys on the field at once, every guy with a, a responsibility that if he doesn't execute and he goes rogue, the play has no chance of working, even if one guy does it. So it's, it's, that is what football is all about. To be a great player in football, you have to be a great teammate. And I, I will not put a guy that puts his own agenda, and I say this all the time during the season, I will not put a guy with his own agenda that causes problems and causes his team a division in the locker room. I will not put him in the category of great. He's not a great football player. I don't care how good he is as an athlete. He doesn't get great until he becomes a great teammate. And I'm not sure Deron Carter throughout his whole career was a great teammate. Probably better last year and better now because he's learned a little bit more. He's a little bit more mature. But he wasn't at times. We could tell that. So that means he stays in the good category, not the great. Well, he was in the Montreal Alouettes locker room while a member of the Alouettes, and they held a vote amongst the players whether he should stay on the team or not. That's a true story from somebody in that locker room. So that should tell you all you need to know. When we come back, we'll be back with more press coverage and Glenn Suter uh, for Quality Tire on 620. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the sports cage for spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM. And I'll tell you what, it's worth your while to do that because they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250. All right. I, you know, I really hope Bob Dice gets a crack at being the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Good Canadian guy. I like Americans, too. Don't get me wrong. But I'd love to see Bobby Dice get a get a full year as a head coach instead of mop-up duty twice. I'd love to see it. I mean, uh, you know, there's a couple guys in that category, and I put Mark Mueller in there as well. And by the way, a uh, fantastic interview with Bo Levi Mitchell. Um, so let's go there. That's where, that's where I was going to yeah. go. You're, you listen to it because you always do your prep works uh, second to none. What did you think of uh, what Bo had to say? I thought that, uh, to me, it's, uh, it's a coin flip. I think it's a two-horse race between Hamilton and Saskatchewan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I totally agree. I, I, there's a few things that jumped out to me right away. First of all, the questions were were formed well from your side because Michael V you didn't you didn't force a an answer that he couldn't make couldn't give you right now in other words you you, you know you never asked him and, and I'm sure that if you if a listener right now hasn't heard it they can go and find it online but um, and they really should listen to Bo because there was a few things but 
not asking them straight out, you know, do you want to come to Saskatchewan or, you know, where does Saskatchewan fit in in that, in that discussion didn't force him into something that he couldn't do under, not under contract, but because Hamilton has his rights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it was, it was, it was a great way to, and if you're, if you listen closely and I, I didn't, you know, advise people to listen to it a couple of times, because if you listen closely, you will hear a couple of things that put Saskatchewan in my mind in the running. He wants to be involved with the OC, not involved with the hiring, but he wants to know who the OC is going to be. And he, you know, he, he alluded to the fact that I don't want to put words in his mouth or misrepresent, but he alluded to the fact that, you know, that Dave Dickinson is a former quarterback who is, you know, his OC slash head coach in Calgary, who had very strong opinions on, on the play calling and exactly what type of offense he wanted, things like that. That didn't mean that Bo didn't have input. He did, but he, he was very careful to talk about not disrespectfully to anything that's happened in the past. He's very happy, clearly, with his Calgary time, and he always will be. But he, he said he, he wants more input. He, he's, he's grown in the game to a point where I think he feels like, or at least this is what I got from his interview, that he is ready to really collaborate. And that's the word he used, to collaborate with an OC rather than have an OC kind of tell him what the offense is, work it to his strengths, but at the end of the day, he's got the final call, whereas he wants to be in a more collaborative relationship. He talked highly of Mark Mueller. That was another interesting, uh, very interesting aspect because, you know, he would know better than anybody. And he didn't have to say the things that he said about Mark Mueller, Mueller. But he did, and I thought it was very interesting. And the third one for me was he talked about playing in a in a market in this stage of his career that really care about football. So that puts Hamilton in the running for sure, but also Saskatchewan. I mean, come on. If, if it's going head-to-head, Saskatchewan wins there just because of over time how great of a fan base that is. So... I thought that was a very revealing interview. I think it's at, at worst 50-50 when it comes to those two teams. I put it, I've, I've said right along from day one, I put it 65-35 in favor of the Rough Riders, uh, contrary to other uh, people in the media that say I'm out to lunch or some fans or he doesn't have an O-line, blah, blah, blah. I say 65-35, and I say if they get Mark Mueller, it's probably closer to 80-20. to 20. That's what I believe. The Riders, I think, are going to have an announcement early next week. That's what they're hoping for. So that must mean there are some things in play here. But I think it's a Mark Mueller. That I don't know this, but I think Mark Mueller's got to be at the top of the list for the OC because they got to go. They got to try to get Bo Levi Mitchell. My question to you, Glenn Suter, I think I've asked you this before, but it's worth asking again, different audience. Should there be buyer beware for Bo Levi Mitchell? It's fine to talk about it. He's going to sell himself, his shoulders back. Riders will do their due diligence. Do you think it's buyer beware? Because Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson are not stupid men. They've been around. They've been a great quarterback. They've been around great quarterbacks. Uh, they don't want to see their rival get, uh, get to Saskatchewan and have a chance to kick their butt two or three times. Uh, do you think it's buyer beware? Is he washed? Well, you know, I don't. I think you you do your due diligence. 
no question. You you know you talk to the doctors. You you make sure that you're very comfortable with all the rehab and all and where he at is that physically in his career right now. But that you know that Eastern se- or Western semifinal and his time on the field, you know, it showed me he could still make all those throws. Um, you know, again, I, I don't I wouldn't have concerns with him physically. Doctors are not going to lie or or make things up about that. So you have to rely on full medical reports and everything. But as long as that's all clear, then then no. I mean, where would you rank him right now in the quarterbacks in the league? Now, keep in mind, when, when, when people say that Calgary, Calgary um, aren't, you know, like as you said, they're not. Uh, Dave Dickinson is a smart guy. So is John Huffnagel. But they both had Jake Mayer behind Bo, and this is a guy that they believe in could be the next Bo. So they're saying they're saying we can't hold this guy back any longer. We have to make this transition now because we have the guy we believe could be the next ten year franchise. Well, suits guy. suits. They looked at the record. They were equal. They had similar record. They looked at the stats. They had similar stats. One guy makes this much. This guy's this much. This guy's thirty two with a you know his shoulder isn't what it used to be. But you know, so they're like we're, we got to move on. One thing about Calgary that you know, and talking to former players, once Dave and John make a move, they're not going to be sitting in a room somewhere going, "Should we have kept?" Bo, they moved on. At some point, they had to pick Bo Levi Mitchell over Henry Burris or Kevin Glenn or whatever, so they went with Bo Levi Mitchell. They're doing the same thing. It's the way pro football works, so I don't think he's washed. I just think they looked at it and said, okay, well, it's pretty, let's go with the younger guy. Yeah, that's exactly what they did, and that's not the case for Saskatchewan right now. Saskatchewan doesn't have their Jake Mayer. No, they got to win now because they've got three guys, I think, that need to win. Craig Reynolds, Craig Dickinson, and Jeremy O'Day. That whole will build for the future and be, you know, year over year. Yeah, that's great to say. And maybe you can get there when you get re up, but you got to win this year. It's it's now or never for those three. Yeah, I I agree. And I I think they're, you know, they're. They're looking at a top-ranked future Hall of Fame quarterback that still has gas in the tank, and you know you can still develop somebody young. I mean, ideally, that's what you're doing anyway, no matter who your starter is, because you got to be working on that next guy. That's what the good teams like Calgary have done in the past. So, but no, I mean, he, if you rank them right now, Bo is still in the top five. I'd, he's still in the top. Probably. Yeah, I'd go Rourke. I'd go Rourke, provided he comes back. I'd say Rourke's one, yep. Kalaros is two, and then I would say it's a tie third place between Jake Mayer and Bo Levi Mitchell, and I'm giving Bo the lead because he has the better resume. I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson, okay, he had great stats. He played in the East. Uh, Cody's not there. I think Cody Fajardo, from what I'm hearing, he's going to be in BC as the backup to Vernon Adams or out East if Jason Moss gets the head coaching job in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, and and you know those are different style quarterbacks, and you know we we've, we've talked about Cody, and um, you know he's going to be looking elsewhere, obviously. So I, I I'm with you. I I think Bo is going to be the guy that people are talking about. Your interview was very revealing. I strongly recommend anyone that's interested in this to to go and find it online and and just listen to how Bo carefully worded his his priorities let's put it that way and and on those on the list of priorities that i got from the interview one of them was um a a fan base that really cares well um 
<laughs> Saskatchewan automatically on the list there. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Suits, we got to go. It's been great. Have yourself a great weekend, man. Always nice talking to you. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Zinger, great to have you back, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, all right. That's Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, his segment for Quality Tire. When we come back, coast to coast with Arash Madani. And what else do we got? Oh, Kevin Holness. We'll talk some soccer. See what he thinks of my take on soccer. This is the Sports Cage on 620. 49. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back. The show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Into the last half an hour, every Tuesday and Thursday, we catch up with Arash Madani, just endeavoring to get a hold of him. Here are the two questions I get asked. Ballsy, how was your first year with everything going on? I still loved it. It was great. I love being a, the voice of the Rough Riders. I hope for many more years. Ballsy, should they have? did they go far enough with their move? Should they have gotten rid of Craig Dickinson? No, I don't think they should have. I think Craig needs to uh, do a little better job tightening the leash. O'Day's got to do a better job providing him with talent along with Carson, Kyle Carson, and... You know, Craig Reynolds has to be better out front in the community with uh, with the people. And I think we'll see a little bit more of all of that coming up this year. Craig Dickinson was a head coach late, got his team to a West final. Craig Dickinson then was a coach who had to wait around because we had COVID. And then he had all those guys blow Achilles and everything. 18 guys on the IR for the West final of that game that they probably should have won but squandered five turnovers, as our next guest has talked about before. And this year was just a you know what show with everything going on not his fault marino pulled what he pulled not his fault duke williams now could he have done things differently hindsight yes he could have so let's see if he does it this year so i think we're okay where we're at but everybody is up against it this year they got to pull out uh, all the stops to try to win uh you know win over the fans and win a championship do what you got to do to win a championship all right so let's head out on the uh, western pizza hotline time for our next segment Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. So one of my predictions is down. I said the Riders would bring Mason Nias to camp. They've added him to the nag list. I don't know that he signed a rash. Uh, I haven't seen anything like that. I don't know that they've even reached out to him. In fact, when I talked to Mason recently, they haven't talked to him yet. I've said all along, Mark Mueller is going to be the offensive coordinator of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I believe that is probably if Mark doesn't end up here, he'll go back to Calgary. He's not going anywhere else with a young family new son. That's what I believe. And then if he comes here, I think Bo Levi Mitchell moves a lot closer to being a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I think in the end, that's how it's going to go. Although I want to point something out, Arash. So so you feel they're a package deal. You feel Mueller and Mitchell come, but if Mueller stays in Calgary, Bo's headed east? Uh, I would think it's more likely. Like, I have it 65-35 now in favor of the Riders. Just my prediction. I think if Mueller comes, it's uh, 75-25 or 80-20 in favor of yeah. the riders and if not i think it flips the other way um but yeah. i but i will say cuz you got to remember something too you know this better than me arash madani 
Six, let's go, let's say uh, a $650,000 house in White City or East Regina looks a lot different than you'd get down where you're living. Oh, <laughs> 650000 these days will get you a one-bedroom apartment in downtown Toronto. There you go. Thank you very much. So that's another thing we don't talk about, the whole family. It's okay to think you're going to Toronto, Hamilton, till you get there, and then you realize you're not making NFL quarterback money. So that is the other thing that I think is in the Riders' bank. Here's what I wanted to bring up with you, though. It's not yeah. a slam dunk that Mason Nias would come to camp even with the Riders. Mason Nias... No, because he's got two. Even the camp. He's got, listen. He's got unless he. I feel this, and I haven't talked to Mason. This is the honest to gosh truth. Yeah. Even though I've kind of talked like his agent, dude has two degrees. I know he's got a bunch of teaching jobs lined up, or they want him just like that, and where he can be right. a high school football coach. So unless they tell him, hey, you got a legitimate chance to come here and develop. Uh, maybe he'll come to camp because he's a Saskatchewan kid. It was always his dream. But I don't think he's going to give everything up at all costs to be the quarterback of the Rough Riders in some form or fashion. So, and, and that, that's a good point. I had no idea about his professional career. And bless him if he realizes and understands that the better opportunity is his future in education and teaching and to do it. This is what I always wonder, though, Ballsy, about kids in their early mid-20s, and I don't begrudge them for it, is just wanting to scratch that itch. Is that just wanting to know what it's like to be in a pro camp. Now, if I'm Mason, I'm saying to myself, I need to make sure that I'm just not here as a novelty, that I'm not just here because I went to school up the street, that I'm not the sixth quarterback, just a camp arm, who has been brought in for PR purposes or anything like that. Am I going to get a legitimate shot to compete for the number three spot? That's what I want to know. You know who got that? Andrew Buckley in Calgary, right? Yeah. Comes over from the Dinos, was given a real shot, and and earned his position. Danny Brannigan, going back, you know, whatever it was, 10 years, comes out of Queens, and got a real shot in training camp and ended up starting a game or two, I think, for the Argos. So that's what Mason's got to figure out, is what's the situation for him? Um, but, I, you know, you know what these kids are like, and, and, and bless them, you know? Just got to a Vanier Cup, just led his team to... Um, just led his team and one of the best players in the country, if not the best player in the country. Mm. Yeah. You, you won more than the T-shirt. Um you want to you want to say hey, I gave the pros a shot too. Hey, do you think Bo Levi Mitchell's uh, Mitchell's washed up? No, no. And you and I have had this conversation, Balzi. There's Nathan Rourke, and who knows what his future in the league is. And there's Zach Caleros. And after those two, who's the best quarterback in the CFL? I think it's Bo Levi Mitchell. Right, and and you may not be right, but you're definitely definitely not wrong. Like, it could be Trevor Harris, depending on the day. It could be Jake Mayer, depending on the day. Who knows what's going to happen with Jeremiah Masoli and at what level he's going to be at when he returns. But, but Bo's in the conversation for the medal podium. Like, there, there's gold and silver are determined. That's that's a photo finish right there between Rourke and Zach, and Rourke's probably better when healthy. Mm-hmm. 
But that bronze medal, depending on the day, anybody can win it. So, Arash Madani, you're a lot more diplomatic than me. Remember when I was driving you home, I said, you know the one thing I really appreciate about you is uh, your uh, manners and everything like that? And that, that struck me about... No, I'm serious. <laughs> remember that's, you saying yeah, that. That struck, me, that's, that struck me about you. So I'm rough around the edges, and this is where you're over here and I'm over here. Are you ready for it? Yep. Here we go. That was... I won't call it embarrassing, but that was the worst sequel I have ever watched in my entire life. The only thing historic about Canada's performance at the World Cup wasn't some wasn't a goal wing ding. It was the hype. That was the, the historical hype and the historical letdown. That was a flaming pile of crap. And the only way they're going back to a World Cup is because they're hosting the damn thing. Embarrassing. Like, what a waste of my time. Good rant. Well executed. Um, I'll tell you where I... I I'll, I'll disagree with it. Um, to me, Canada's the number two team in CONCACAF. You know, the Americas. So they're better than Costa Rica. They're better than Honduras. Um... They're better than Panama. It just it's they're they're better than Mexico. It's Canada and the U.S. I, I don't think that the only way they would qualify moving forward is by hosting. I mean, obviously they're hosting next year. Um, I guess let me let me stop you before you continue. I want to I want to preface this by saying I'm in no way a soccer expert, and you know yeah. more about soccer than me. But but honest to God, all we're talking about here, Rash, is soccer, soccer, soccer. I get it; it's the biggest sport in the world. I'm not denying that they're great athletes. But over here, Davis Cup, you're the only guy talking about it. The, a couple of days ago, yeah. we won something there. We're dominating the tennis world. We did worse here than we did in 19. 19- let that marinate for a second. Facts don't okay, lie. So let, let me let me just, and I know this is going to sound contradictory, but it's not, and I'll explain why. They scored one goal. The own goal today doesn't count. They scored one goal, and it was a beautiful goal by Davies against Croatia. Ballsy, I would say that these three games, now that it's over, I would say this was a failure, but I wouldn't call it an embarrassment. You're saying to yourself, wait a minute, how can that be? How can you be a failure but not embarrassed? Well, this is why. Okay. Because for 43 of the 45 minutes of the first half against Belgium, top three team in the world, who, by the way, also didn't get out and also only scored one goal, top three ranked team in the world, 43 of the first 45 minutes, Canada was the better team. They didn't embarrass themselves against a top-level team. I'll give you that. Today, down 2-0, their tournament's already over against a Morocco team that won the group. Not only did they not give in, not only did they not pull the shoot, they battled and, I mean, they were, what, six inches away from Atiba Hutchison tying it on a header. They didn't embarrass themselves against Belgium, and they didn't embarrass themselves today. But, but overall, one goal in three matches is a failure. And my take is this, Ballsy. Mm-hmm. On the field, the grade I give them is a C-. minus. Off the field, a D. 
and that's being generous. This is a federation, Canada Soccer, that has no idea what it's doing to compete with the with the big guns in the world. And they have four years to figure it out. Otherwise, we are going to be a world embarrassment when it comes to staging, hosting, delivering, and doing all those things. There's a lot of growing up to do, and it's got to come quick. Okay, that's a great way to put it. And you're so eloquent that I'm rough around the edges. But I'm going to bring. I want. I want to switch gears, and I want to bring this up to you because you've covered hockey too. Chris Letang has suffered two strokes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That. Yeah. At what point he was back skating? I guess a little bit today. At what point? Does somebody say to him, either in his family or Sidney Crosby or somebody, say, that okay, enough's enough, man. You have won Stanley Cups. There's nothing really else to prove. Maybe they can put him in some sort of player development role to stay around the game because it's awful hard for these guys. It's, it, people don't realize this. Athletes are told when to get up, when to train, when to eat, when to study, when to do this, when, their whole life, and then it's gone. So it's a terrible, terrible shock to the system. So I get it. But at some point, doesn't somebody have to say, uh, Chris, enough's enough? And you'd hope it'd be a doctor. You'd hope it'd be a specialist. You'd hope it'd be somebody. And he, But, Balzi, you've got to remember this. You can take the kid to water. You can't force him to drink. There are a lot of people who can tell Chris Letang or insert name of athlete here uh, what he should do. And in his heart of hearts, Chris Letang may know that that person's right. But there's a fear factor of, well, what am I supposed to do if this, if I, if I can't do this anymore, or there's this, this thirst to compete or that I want to do it. Or there might be one doctor who says this isn't life or death. Look, a long time ago, a uh, team doctor once said to me, and I'll never forget it. He just said, look, you, you get your knee, your elbow, your shoulder, whatever, finger. He said, there's two things you don't mess with. You don't mess with the heart and you don't mess with the brain. Because there, there, there's no brace, there's no cast that you can put when you go into some kind of cardiac episode. There's no... Brace. there is no cast when it comes to a stroke or something to do with the brain. And I guess in, in a collision sport like hockey and football, the neck would be the same. Um, so there's only one person who can protect Chris Letang from himself. Yeah. I guess there'd be two. One would be ownership of the Penguins. Yep. But I think the Players Association would step in and file a grievance. But two is Chris Letang, or maybe Chris Letang's family, uh, or maybe one of Chris Letang's kids. Yeah. But this, this is this is the, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of athletes out there who, whose identity is tied to what number they wear on the ice, on the field, on the court, you name it. And that that this is when things get scary. Arash, always great. Have yourself a good weekend, man. YouTube all Thanks, bud. It's Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, and it's brought to you by our friends at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. We wrap up with our friend, Mr. Kevin Holness, in the Sports Cage on 620.ca. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620-CKRM. All right, wrapping the show up for spreads.ca and Great style here with our friend Kevin Holness, who is a former national team member, involved heavily in the soccer scene locally, was pumped to see Canada in the World Cup. 
Uh, I'm looking at the numbers, Kev. I'm not exactly impressed. I'm not going to lie to you. We gave up a, a worse goal differential this time. Uh, yeah, we scored one goal. I've said this a few times. I'm not going to shy away from you. Uh, I'll take soccer over the NBA, but this thing here, man, the only only thing historic was the hype and then the collapse. Like there, I'm I'm disappointed. But how about you? I'm of the same sentiment, Ballsy. I think. We, we should expect more. Uh, I've seen uh, smaller nations throughout the, the tournament achieve uh, higher uh, production, higher success than, than what we have. I know the players aren't happy with, with the results. I, I'm tired of uh, seeing the, the, the tweets and the texts about participation and great that we, we scored a, a goal historically after 36 years of being in the World Cup. Fantastic. I just think as a nation, as a culture... We should expect more. Coming out of there with zero points, huge letdown. Our performance, I believe, in the first half, huge letdown. Made some adjustments second half. We looked like the Canada team that, that played Belgium, but it was too late. Is Herdman the guy to, read the, uh, to lead this team into 2026? Hard to answer. Herdman got them there. Herdman put the pieces together, convinced players that were, were uh, not really keen on playing for Canada to play for Canada. Um, organized a squad of coaches and uh, uh, different environments that enabled Canada to produce in CONCACAF and get to the World Cup. Ah, behind the scenes, it's it's hard for me to say what happens, what his mindset is. I know there's a lot of uh, attention for Herdman in uh, professional clubs and, and other nations. So who knows? I don't know what tomorrow brings. Kevin, Ho- Kevin Holness, why should we be more excited about when I watched the and I did watch the World Cup in '86 uh, as a 14 year old guy. So it's been thir- it's been 36 years, hard to believe. Uh, why should we be more excited about Canadian soccer now than then when our numbers on paper and stats can lie? I'm not a big stats guy; they can lie. Why should we be more excited now than then? I think the excitement comes from not being there for for 36 years. I think that's where the hype and the emotions take over the the fact of really looking at the performance. Um, A lot of people were were dying for this moment. A lot of uh, soccer fans were craving for that opportunity to celebrate Canada at a World Cup. And I think that's where it's exciting. We see more and more kids paying attention to the to the men's team. They they did an amazing story on uh, Alfonso Davies uh, growing up in Edmonton and the club and an academy he was affiliated with. Those kind of things inspire our culture for for soccer supporters. And I think that's where the excitement comes. The real true guys like uh, myself and coaches and friends that that watch the game, yeah, we have this this bitterness to to say that, yeah, we're we're there. It's been 36 years. Now you've shown in spurts that you can compete with the rest of the world. We want to see it on a on a regular basis. We want to see consistency. We we don't want to hear about the the pats on the back that you got out of a group stage with zero points and and scored one goal. It's tough to swallow. And I think the players deserve more because they're there's some fantastically talented mm-hmm. players on that squad and they just need to be held to a higher standard because i know they they hold themselves to a higher standard that's, that's a good way to put it and and you know i'm a casual nobody soccer fan and i'm kind of trumpeting it up here that i'm really mad like it doesn't it's not going to make me go to bed at night and not sleep you're more into it than me but can you imagine in belgium and germany right now Oh, it's the disaster. I have friends all over the, the world that are that probably won't sleep for the next week because it, it's such a letdown to 
to their nations. It's it's like a, a religion in some of those places, and not having them progress to the next stage, oh, it'll it'll be crazy. It'll yeah. be mayhem. Hey, I think you said you like Brazil going forward. Are you still on that train? I do because I, I love like you you said in the beginning when we first spoke. I love teams that have creativity and some yeah. flair and and do all those kind of things. Brazil has been in my heart since I was growing up, uh, following Calais and and whatnot. So uh, yeah, Canada's out. Brazil is my team now. Awesome. And uh, lastly, we got about a minute left. What kind of message would you give to young young athletes turned on by watching this? Uh, you know, I joked about the hype, but they are they're great athletes. Let's let, let's be honest. It's not embarrassing, but it's a letdown, a big letdown. But the interest is there. So what would you why would you encourage people, kids to get out and enjoy soccer? Like sell the game for me. I think the the atmosphere sells the game alone. I think the the diversity in, in nation sells the game alone. When I when I coach kids, I always say to them there's more to to being a better soccer player than just showing up at training every week and, and showing up to a game every week. There's so much more that surrounds it. Just engulf yourself into the game. Find out about the players. Find out about the stats. Find out where they live. Find out what they eat, what they do in their spare time. Travel. Go and experience different parts of the, the world that, that celebrate soccer to a higher standard than we are. For, for kids now watching the World Cup that are, that are in Canada, it's almost like they can touch it. it the, the dream uh, became a lot more alive than it was four or five years ago, Balsy. Well, you talk about it so eloquently, and I love talking soccer with you, uh, and I can't wait to pick your brain here as we get into the knockout stage. Uh, by the way, before we go, do you think the U.S. has a chance to make some noise? And the U.S., their arrogance is, is going to carry them through. That's, that's <laughs> something the U.S. has a lot of, and because of their arrogance, they're able to be successful. As, as far as talent and ability, ah, I don't rate them too highly. But See? their arrogance, again, Charles Barkley talking now uh, with the U.S. and Netherlands, so we'll see what happens. Well, Zinger and I are going to California next week, so we're hoping that they're just going to be so pumped up because they like their they like their soccer in L.A. and California with the with the, you know the, the uh, Latin population and everything there. Absolutely, absolutely, it'll be it'll be crazy over there. Hey, man, thanks for your time. We'll pick your brain soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Take care. Kevin Holness joining us from uh, the local soccer scene, former national team member. Man, he he does a great job talking about soccer. I like him. That was good. We have him on more often. Yeah, we're going to have him on way more often. He's a great guy. That'll do it for the show. If you missed any of it, our good friend Sean Kleisinger will put it up in podcast form. Reminder, tomorrow we talk to one big dude, Bo Levi Mitchell. Mm. Mark Mueller. He's going to join us tomorrow on the show, 5.30 on the Sports Cage. You don't want to miss it. It is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.